0: Coming up, Kyle Larson deserved to be DQ'd. Sprint car silly season has already started and plenty more from the Dirt Racing Weekend. Let's go. It's Monday, May 8th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. There's a bunch of stuff to get into today, and I'm going to warn you right off the top here. We are not going to talk about every single race and every single series from the weekend on today's show. If that bothers you or I miss your favorite tracker division, sorry. Uh, We are going to talk some of the big news, including a sudden burst of May sprint car silly season. I've got an update on Roth's penalty and some racing, but I want to start first with the Kyle Larson DQ on Friday night at Eldora. If you missed it, during the first heat race, Zeb Wise drifted up the racetrack down the backstretch and clearly didn't know Larson was occupying that real estate. He ended up across the nose of the Silva 57, went for a big tumble. It was a nasty crash for Zeb, and Larson took some significant hits and damage as well. It was a bad racing deal. You know, Zeb pretty banged up afterwards, clearly didn't know he was there. You know, If you were watching the Dirt Vision broadcast, Nick Hoffman basically said the same thing. Uh, it is good to hear Zeb will be okay. In the aftermath, Larson rolled his car from the incident scene in turn three all the way to the work area on the front stretch infield. Before he had really even come to a complete stop, Johnny Gibson was on the PA alerting the crowd that Larson had been DQ'd from the heat race for failing to stop for the red flag. Seemed like a fairly simple call to make and I doubt it really even affected the team much. I don't know how keen they would have been to get the car fixed to return to that heat. And Larson ended up later transferring into the Knights feature after starting on the B-Main pole. The reaction, though, to the penalty was about what you would have come to expect at this point, the usual kind of unhinged madness. Lots of vitriol for making the call against a driver who draws a bunch of fans because that matters when it comes to officiating races. Uh, there were a ton of comments about high limit, but again, that also doesn't matter here. And then people pointing to drivers Jacob Allen and Carson Macedo as also having rolled after the red flag. I went back and re-watched all of this several times this morning, and there's really no comparison from Larson to Macedo and Allen. From the time the red shows on Dervision's timing and scoring display, it was about 7 seconds to the time Allen was stopped. We can't see Macedo, but he ended up stopped on the front straightaway just past the stage. He was several car lengths in front of the incident when it started to happen, and he would have basically been out of turn 4 at full throttle when the red flag flew, So stopping where he did is not unreasonable. And the leaders were, you know, even further forward where he was just into turn one uh, for some comparison. Macedo was running third and you had Sweet and Courtney in turn one. But from the time the red was shown, it was nearly 25 seconds before the 57 rolled to a stop. So don't talk to me about Jacob Allen in seven seconds when Larson was rolling for 25 seconds. Uh, This was not some sort of close judgment call here, and the rule book is pretty damn clear on what red flag procedures are. Uh, It reads, quote, when the red flag is displayed, all cars on the racing surface and in the pit areas must come to a complete stop in a controlled manner while not stopping and or driving through the area of the incident. Cars are not permitted to move for any reason unless instructed by series officials. Any car that moves during the red flag without permission will be penalized and or parked, unquote. Seems pretty cut and dry here. Kyle Larson doesn't get to exist under a different set of rules. What he did was clearly way beyond what the other drivers mentioned as examples, so that argument falls flat here. And I hate to tell you this because it ruins all of the conspiracy theories that continue to float around, but Mike Hess in the race director seat was not sitting around this season waiting for the perfect moment to drop the hammer on the half owner of a brand new 11 race midweek sprint car series. If the uh, World of Outlaws and World Racing Group were really trying to send a message to Larson and Sweet and High Limit, booting Larson from a heat race in which they were already crashed doesn't seem like it was all that strong of a play. And for the record, High Limit is not going to end the World of Outlaws as a series. I've seen that comment so many times. If you think that's incorrect, go find any of Brad Sweet's comments on this whole thing. Those are not my words. Those are his words. As for handling these situations, for every example of bias that people think they have against series officiating, I can find one on the flip side. As this Larson deal shows, they're clearly not afraid to penalize big names, and they don't just levy penalties against outside drivers and teams, ask James McFadden and Roth Motorsports. I don't believe that Larson intentionally did anything wrong here, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't have been penalized. Rules exist for a reason, and if operating without them in chaos was the right move, Somebody, somewhere, some series, some track, some division would be doing it, but they don't. And why don't they? Because it doesn't work. Uh, as for the Friday night feature, it was all Logan Shuhart out front until very late. Rico Abreu made a move for the lead, had it at the white flag, but Shuhart had the momentum to get back by and take the victory. Rico finished second with Donnie shots in third. On Saturday night, Rico shots backed up those Friday performances. Those two ended up battling for the win. Shots did lead a lap. I believe that was his first lap lead of the season, Uh, but Rico was able to fight back by and drive on to his third outlaw win in 11 starts this year. Rico and Ricky Warner are really gelling right now. This is easily the best Rico has been in his career in a sprint car. He will be a serious threat for the million at Eldora later this summer. Shots did settle for second in that race. David Gravel was third. The two weekend podiums for Shots were his best two runs of the season, and it broke a streak of seven straight finishes outside the top 10. We'll see if the TSR guys can continue that momentum uh, heading into Pennsylvania this week. We did have a change at the top of the World of Outlaws standing. Sweet now out front by two points over Macedo. Macedo was sixth on Friday, but 13th on Saturday. It was his first finish outside the top 10 all year and broke a 22-race streak of top 10 results. That's how tight things are right now. Macedo didn't have a single finish outside the top 10 all season. He finally has one, finishes 13th, and loses the points lead. Uh, The Outlaws will be at Lincoln uh, on Wednesday and Williams Grove Friday and Saturday. Since we're talking Outlaws, it was also announced back on Friday that Roth Motorsports had lost its appeal for the James McFadden failed tire test following Peebly. I did say that when we talked about it initially that they were going to have a hard time being successful with the appeal, and that's basically what this turned into. The team was absent from Eldora, they're going to miss Lincoln, uh, and they will be eligible to race again on Saturday at Williams Grove. We still have not had anything official from the team about the issue, no comments, nothing about the decision or what their future plans are. And no, I don't know why the Indy Race Part 71 had Roth bodywork on it on Friday. I think I even saw Bernie wearing a Roth shirt on Dirt Vision. Anyway. The other big news items to come out of the weekend are the two team and driver splits. Earlier on Sunday, Parker Price Miller announced he had parted ways with McCandless Motorsports after just a handful of starts. He basically said they had different paths mapped out for the team and it didn't work out. He will continue running with his own car. Uh, He might run some late model stuff, he said, and he is seeking other opportunities. In a response on Facebook, uh, Greg McCandless said the reasoning for the split was because of their Ford engines. The team has two of those pieces and wants to continue using them, while PPM and crew chief Kevin Osmolsky wanted to use something else. Greg said they are looking at options to fill the void going forward. I don't know about you, this one doesn't seem to be all that surprising to me. It did go sideways pretty quick, but uh, you know this is just kind of stuff that happens sometimes. I think the split that seemed like a much bigger deal was Buddy Kofoy departing the Crouch Motorsports Eleven. Both Outlaw and High Limit wins together with a full season planned of Sprint Car Racing. Very busy season that they had uh, planned for this year. But as of last night, the pairing is no more. Crouch said they mutually agreed to part ways uh, and that uh, team owner Leighton Crouch and Kofoid couldn't come to an agreement on the direction of the team. Kofoid later added that he left on his own terms. Uh, Obviously back and forth there. I hadn't heard anything about this, uh, you know rumors or anything like that but uh, after a messages to a few friends in the industry it seems like maybe this was bubbling here for a while it was not supposedly about performance but uh instead about internal team stuff I'm sure that crouch will have plenty of drivers to choose from going forward for the 11 uh, clearly a very good piece Uh, and I can't see someone as talented as buddy out of a car for very long this one kind of bums me out a bit because this appeared to be a stout combination And I think the future plan here was to go full-time outlaw racing. We'll keep you posted as we know more on both of these situations. In weekend dirt late model racing, we lost both the Friday and Saturday programs for the World of Outlaws at Mississippi Thunder. The shows were canceled, but they will race at the track later this year. They'll have a 10,000 win race on Thursday, August 31st, and a 20,000 win show on Friday, September 1st. Uh, The outlaw late models are off now until May 19th at Marion Center. Uh, Lucas did get all of their races run and the picture is a lot more clear about who is vying for those 15 spots for that first cutoff in the chase for the Lucas championship. The outlaw drivers have basically dropped out of the running now with these two series running up against each other and guys like Garrett Alberson, Garrett Smith, Spencer Hughes, Tyler Bruning, they're all inside that top 15 now. And Ross Robinson and Logan Robertson are the two drivers on the outside looking in. Back to Friday night at Ponderosa, it was all Mike Marler out front. Hudson O'Neill couldn't track him down for the win, so the three-race victory streak is over for the Rocket 1. Brandon Overton, Jonathan Davenport, and Ricky Thornton Jr. completed the top five. Saturday night at Florence, Davenport led the first 12 laps from the pole, but got tracked down by six-starting Hudson O'Neill. With the way that team has run lately, that felt like maybe it was going to be the race-winning move, uh, but uh, Ricky Thorne Jr. had other ideas. He took control from O'Neill just before halfway went the distance for the $15,000 score. It was his third Lucas win of the season, and he remains locked in a tight battle atop those Lucas standings. O'Neal is out front. RTJ is second, Overton third. All three are just separated by 45 points. O'Neill does uh, now have five straight top two finishes, though. He didn't win over the weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, but he did finish uh, both times in second. I've been a bit surprised by Tim McCready uh, with Lucas as of late. Just four top fives in 13 starts this year and no wins. And before his top five on Saturday at Florence, his past three finishes were 27th, 10th, and 15th. Uh, the late model season stays rolling this week with the mini Illinois Speed Week. We've got flow races Wednesday and Thursday at Spoon River and Lincoln. And then Lucas shows Friday and Saturday at Farmer City and Fairbury. No lack of cash is on the line this week. Uh, There are a few items on the streaming services today. SpeedSport has IMCA Racing from both Clay County Fair and Independence Motor Speedway. There's also Flow Racing 24-7 and Dirt Vision now to see the full daily streaming schedule with uh, those links to watch. Visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Uh, Feel free to leave comments on anything we talked about uh, today. Uh, Obviously, uh, a ton of things went on over the weekend. Uh, A lot of stuff to come up this week. So uh, let me know what you guys think. Hope you guys have a good Monday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.